right. We've been talking together about 2 Corinthians. How is it Paul, how is it that Paul uh, will call this church partly to share a gift with the church in Jerusalem? They've been gifted much. How will they then be a gift of God to others? And we've also been looking at John Wesley, looking back at his history in that early Methodism movement. How is it we're seeing God work in and through them? So if you've got your notes today in your bulletin, we're looking again at some other things that we're to be about and to experience that if we're in Christ, the first line would be this, it is a comforted life. You can't miss that with Paul in this church. And I say that, let me be clear. You can't miss this with God in this church. It's God speaking through Paul that these people would know his comfort. This is, just in these first verses, this is the highest concentration you'll find in the New Testament of the word comfort. But also, if you go through all 27 books of the New Testament, over half of the uses of the word comfort are in this letter. God is trying to, to push, push this people to know that he wants to offer them comfort, but also that they are to share that comfort. This is a tough letter. This is what one commentary I read this week called the severe letter. That he's writing to this church saying, I'm going to drop the hammer now so that when I'm with you, I can build you up. I don't want to tear you down, but I'm going to let you have it now. This is the come in two hours after curfew speech from dad. This is the I played Nerf basketball and broke mama's china speech, right? Some of us have been there, unfortunately. But what is it that God, through Paul, doesn't want them to miss? Now let's remember who they are. Backstabbers, turncoats, gave money to false teachers instead of giving it to Jerusalem. These are people who had already slipped into wild immorality in a second as soon as Paul turned his back. Those folks who have struggled in so many ways, and yet it's just like God to say, Paul, make sure that they know, I am the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That if they have turned to me, I will freely offer this to them. And it's not just this. Just go through the first six or seven chapters. He not only gives comfort over and over again in these couple of verses, but then he establishes, he heals. In two places, he seals them with the Spirit. He leads, he gives freedom, ministry, mercy, light, new things, is a father to them, offers grace. You need any of that today? Because that's also something here that God's pointing out to Paul and to them. And maybe we, we might say in our condition, we have, we have no problem acknowledging this. But he's making sure they understand that they do have a need. You have a need for that comfort. You see it here in verses 3 through 7, over and over again, this word affliction and suffering. Not once, but multiple times. You get to chapter 2, Paul talks of sorrow and anguish of heart. Chapter 5, groaning and burdened. In chapter 6, you get the first of three laundry lists of the ways in which he was physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally 
under suffering. And then throughout this letter, at least a couple of times, he talks about the spiritual warfare he was under. Chapter 7, he talks about conflicts, fears, depression. Chapter 11, you get the second list of all the ways he's been under suffering. Chapter 12, you get the final list. Insults, persecutions. One institution reported this week that before, before last week's crisis in Afghanistan, it was 11 Christians a day who were dying for their faith there. Before that. Real need, real persecution. It is open and real all over the world. Let's pray for their comfort. God knew what this Corinthian church needed, and he made sure to tell Paul, tell them who I am and what I desire to do. And God knows our need too. We have a high priest who knows our weaknesses and knows our suffering. Look, just in this season alone, this has been a hard season. Just the ways in which even dear friends and, and, and family are just struggling to how to walk through this well, to not do harm physically, but then also not to do harm emotionally or, or spiritually or relationally. It's been a hard season. If you've lost a loved one, this has been a devastating season. I led a funeral service this week for one of our church members. It was a life that should have been greatly celebrated. This is a man who risked his life for our country through 56 air combat missions. This is a guy who poured in in his second career in life, poured his life into community college kids. This was a man who did things that nobody knew he was doing, but did things uh, in volunteer and also through money to bless people who were on the fringes of life. And I offered that funeral service in front of 12 people. Only his immediate family could be there. Many of us have, have had to be a part of those kinds of services where we, we really can't celebrate and we can't even hold on to one another. It's been a heartbreaking season in so many ways. One news institution this week said that drinking is up in moms 325%. Dr. Henry Cloud at a global institute on health said normally the, the numbers between 10 and 14% that some of us at some time during the year suffer some kind of depression. That number is now at 40%. It's been a hard season. I saw on Facebook and I've seen this for a couple of weeks now, that there's a new business opportunity if you're interested in it. You know what it's for? Pastoring. Pastors are quitting at a rate never seen before in our country's history. I'm just done. through this. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> Other pastors. This is our chance. He can move out. It's been a hard season. Now you just take this season and put it to the side and just talk about the regular stuff of life, of work, of temptation. Stuff with family, stuff with friends. God knows this church. He knows what they're going through. Paul knows all about persecution. He speaks to them that our God is a God of comfort and will meet you in your hurt. And then the question comes, will you receive that? Will you say, it's got to be, as we just heard so beautifully sung, it's Christ alone. I'm going to let him be the healing for me. Go through those three laundry lists. What else could Paul have been tempted to do to salve that wound? And yet he can say, even though he's been crushed 
or perplexed in chapter 7, verse 4. I'm full. I'm full of comfort. It doesn't mean that life outside of him was not chaotic. It doesn't mean it did not sting or did not hurt, that it was not crushing. Paul says it was. But I'm not turning to anything. I'm comforted by God. Now, this is the beauty of God, too. You get to two verses later in chapter 7. God not only will gift you his comfort, he'll meet you. But I love the body of Christ. In chapter 7, I think it's verse 6, he talks about Titus. God gave me Titus to be a comfort to me. After we talked about church discipline last week, and I know that's a hard sermon, it's great to hear some of you say to me, I'm going to do that. This man and these two guys are going to get together. These two women are now going to start to get together for accountability, but also for courage and comfort and for caring for one another. I love how God works through his church. Acts 27, let's just let Paul go. I know we're taking Paul to his doom, but let's just let Paul go and let him have some time with his friends. They knew that this giant of a believer said, I also need the body of Christ. And you see that throughout Paul's letter. I wish so-and-so would come visit me. He's full of comfort, not grasping at this world to, to heal that wound, but he's holding on to God, knowing God is a God of all comfort, and he's allowing the church to be the church to him. It is a comforted life. But listen, we have to then take that next step. You see it here in verse 3. And that's the last point this morning. It's, it's a comforting life. If you've been comforted, then you have to go about comforting others. Paul says, yes, we've taken it on the chin, but God's comforted us. But it's, it's not just for us. Verse 3. It's given to us so I can give it away. You see that same kind of thing come up in chapter 3, verse 3, where Paul talks about his care that he has for this church. Chapter eleven twenty eight, where he feels that burden every day for his churches that it's not just I need God's comfort, but God, would you, would you let me, would you give me a, a, a passion for others and to share your care and comfort with others? Actually, the word there, we say if he has an intense Verse, uh, chapter 11, the, he, he expounds on that in verse 29 of chapter 11. And he talks about his intense care. That's really not the root word. The root word in Greek is pyro. I've been set on fire for the care of the church. I've been given such a comfort. Lord, set me on fire to share that comfort and that kind of care with other people. If we've been gifted it, it's got to be given to others. Chapter 5. Paul tells them Christ died for all, so you can't just live for yourself anymore. Chapter 6, if you've received the grace of Christ, verse 1, don't let it be in vain. You've got to serve. Christ 8, Christ became poor for us. If you've received that grace, then for this church in Jerusalem, you have to give yourself away for them. Chapter 9, you've been given a ministry of service and of giving. And by the way, when you do that church, that's what he says to them. You serve well, you give well people are going to actually give thanks to me and glorify me in heaven because of you. This Jerusalem church that Paul's saying we need a gift for, think about, put yourself there. Put yourself as a Jew in Jerusalem and somebody tells you about Jesus and you say yes. What does that mean for you in an instant? 
No family member is talking to you ever again. Now listen, except for that one uncle, <laughs> that hurts. Can you imagine that? Your whole family saying, you're out. We're done with you. Not only that, most of those families in that culture and in that day, it's a family business. Your bank account, your vocation, your means to support yourself, that's gone too. Now you put on top of that that the church is being dispersed at this time because persecution is beginning. It's not full-blown, but it's beginning. But it starts in Jerusalem and then spreads. You're, You're already taking it on the chin from family and friends. Now here comes the Romans. Now here comes the, or also the, the entire Pharisees and, and, and all of them after you. And Paul says, they're struggling. The God of all comfort has comforted you. What are you going to do about it? Will you care for them? If we've been comforted, we've got to comfort. I love that in our Bible reading plan, that's just been coming up over and over again. We've just come out of Proverbs a, a couple of mo- about a month ago, and just over and over again, you see God's care for those on the fringes of life, for the widow, for the orphan. We've been in Luke chapter 14, and you can't miss that, about his, his care for whoever's on the fringes of life, invite them to this banquet. If you've been given the comfort, we've got to find those who are outside who also need that comfort and offer it. I was uh, serving in another church, and I don't know how I got connected with this man. He was about 30-something, and he was mentally disabled, uh, had some other things just going on in his life, dysfunctional family. He was, he was a raging alcoholic, just lost to alcohol. But somehow he got connected with me and would ask me to come visit him and talk with me. And one late night, 11, 12, 1 in the AM, maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, he called me and said, I've got a situation with my sister. Would you come over and, and break up this fight? And so I get up, go over to their house. I meet him in the front yard. He's completely inebriated. She's completely inebriated. I get in the middle of them, trying to talk them down. He pulls a knife. She pulls a gun. You want to... You want to talk about the fear I felt just then? I'm going to be very honest with you. Comparatively, I did not fear the knife, and I did not fear the gun as much as I thought to myself in that moment, sadly, my wife's going to kill me. (laughs) Go ahead and shoot me now. This is going to be easier than going home and said, yes, not only did I wake you up uh, in the middle of the night, but uh, I got in the middle of a gunfight. You got to go. Now be, be wise, be under the correction of other brothers and sisters in Christ, be under the word. But if you've been comforted and God says go, if God says serve, if God says comfort, we've got to do that. I love as I've been going through Wesley's journal just to see how he did that so beautifully. In that culture, in that day, to, to intentionally seek out and to minister to people of Different races may have been a no-no. He did it to, to seek out and minister to those who were in a, I have to be careful I say this in this crowd, a certain industry he did who were selling themselves. He did that. Nobody else was doing that. The early Methodists went to them and shared the gospel. To share 
uh, the gospel with, with uh, people of different faiths. I was surprised to read in his journal that when he was in Georgia, he took time to learn enough Spanish because the Jews in Georgia, for some reason, were speaking Spanish, Jewish persons were, and so he learned Spanish just so he could share the gospel there with them. If you're on the fringes, if you're on the outs, I am going to step out and do what it takes to serve you because I've been blessed by the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, and God, would you work that through me? He went to the sick, he went to the dying. In one particular village called Plancy, he said not only were they blasphemers, cursers, they fought, but they also played span farthing. Now, I don't know what span farthing is, and I'm not going to Google it because I'll probably end up on some FBI list. It could be something bad. But they mattered to Wesley. Whatever that illicit game was or whatever it was, I'm going to them. And I'm going to share the gospel with them. He went to soldiers. Soldiers who he heard on the streets who were, he said, full of cursing and blaspheming. And so he wrote their leader to say, hey, they're cursing and blaspheming in front of everybody. But then this, this question. Who's going to care for their souls? Let me. Let me. Not look at what they're doing, but let me come in and step in and be the comfort and help of God to them. Even to the, be careful how you hear this, even to the French. Can you imagine being an Englishman in the 1700s and to prisoners that have been captured? Wesley says, are there French prisoners? Let me go to them. And not just to them, but the people who were going to be executed. Let me go there and give them a word and see if they'll repent. There was a mom in one of my past churches who was, who was in and out of jail visiting her son. A place of great hurt. But she said to God, how can I be available to you? Even in this place of weakness, even in this place for her, Sadly, she was just feeling humiliated in that. God, can you, can you come and minister to that? Can you work good from this hurt in my life? And the next thing, next thing you knew, God had opened up doors for her that she ended up leading a women's Bible study in that very jail where she would visit her son in that same little conference room. She started a women's Bible study. And there was a particular woman in that study who had done a horrific thing. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the, of the glory of God. She had done a horrific thing. But this mom kept ministering to her to the point where that woman asked, can I have communion? Would I be able to have communion? And so this mom asked me, says, here's where we are. I feel she's repentant. I've walked her through the scriptures. She's ready to, to receive communion and seek the Lord for his forgiveness. Would you come? And I said, sure, I'll come. It's a hard thing to do that, knowing what's happened through her life, the horrific thing. But then walking that whole Bible study through communion and being very clear about the invitation. But to see her repentant and to receive communion and then to get word a few days later she died of a heart attack in her cell. And here was the grace of God offered. The Father of all mercies through this woman and her 
hurts and her humiliation saying, God, just use that for your kingdom. And here was grace offered. What is our next step in that? What's our next step? I've loved hearing in this very hard season how so many of you have checked on your neighbors or Sunday school classes or small groups, how you've checked on each other in this season. Please continue to do that. I know you're spent. Paul said it here. I I am spent and I will be spent for the church. Um, What's our next step in continuing to give ourselves so that others might know the comfort of God. We are blessed to get word this week. We've been trying to get a gift to the Shade and Fresh Water Ministry in Brazil. There's a lot of steps you have to take in a different language to get that done. Uh, they're kind of on lockdown there. They have not taken right steps, and kids can't go to that ministry right now, but not only can't they go there, but they can't go to school, which means they're not getting fed at school, and it's our church who now has given funds to this church in Sao Paulo ministry. Uh, that's going to be used for a food ministry there. That's you. That's you who have received comfort saying, let us be comfort through that. And not just Brazil, Honduras. It's not just money we budget for Honduras mission trip, but as I understand it, we've got money through for a food ministry throughout the year. That's you. Personally, what's your next step? I know Renee needs Sunday school teachers. I know we're going to need people to get back going to Delta Grace when we can open that door. I know we have neighbors who don't know Jesus. What's our next step? To step out in faith because we have received his comfort. Lord, verse 3, help me be your comfort to somebody else. Now, first again, do you need today to confess your need? To confess maybe you've, you've tried to find that comfort in other things or in other people. And maybe today needs to be a prayer time of you saying, Lord, I confess that, I repent of that, and may I be, chapter 7, verse 4, full from you. May it be you alone. You, and and in verse 6, your church. Let me find comfort in the things you've gifted to me to find comfort. But then also, what's your next step? What's your next step to be the very hands and feet, the very voice, the very grace, the very comfort of God to someone else? Let's pray about that. Father, we praise you and we thank you as Paul has been so clear with this church in Corinth that we have been gifted all through Jesus Christ, through his cross. He has gifted all to us. Father, we come before you acknowledging that there have been times in our lives where we have tried to salve that wound in our hearts with other things or through other people, and we haven't turned to you. Father, forgive us of that. Father, help us to receive from you, to trust your word, to trust you. And Father, may you make us full, for you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Almighty God, we also pray that you would set our eyes on others. This is a hard season where we have rightly uh, turned to those close to us to care for them. That's been a right response, Father. But also, Father, would you give us a vision, as Paul had, a burning for others, this intense care to serve others. Open our eyes to those needs and help us to be faithful, to take our next step, to be the church, to be your comfort. We thank you for that ministry and that privilege. 
We pray for your guiding and your, your provision in that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Amen.